Consumer Focus with Martin Newman. Hello and welcome to Consumer Focus, bringing you expert advice and opinion on customer service and the great British high street. My name is Martin Newman and having worked in commerce for more than 35 years, I'm dedicated to championing the consumer and helping businesses to develop the best possible strategies for their customers. Today, I have the privilege in being joined by Rabia Mirza and Jasmine Cato. They often struggle, as do many women from ethnic minority backgrounds, with a shortage of products suitable for their skin and hair types, a lack of representation in branding and a lack of cultural or racial sensitivity. In their experience, the British High Street falls far short when it comes to the level of customer service offered to minority shoppers to help them find the right products for them. Jasmine and Rabia, thank you for joining me. Rabia, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do. Hi, so uh, I should mention that I'm South Asian <laughs> for, for this podcast yep. um, and I'm currently the Director of Media Engagement and Lobbying for British Muslims for Secular Democracy and I also work for Black Training and Enterprise Group, which is a race equality organisation as their communications and engagement officer. Fantastic. Thank you very much and thank you for joining. Jasmine. Thank you for having me. Um, I am mixed Japanese and Caucasian and... I work with the Organisation for Identity and Cultural Development and also I'm just about to finish my undergraduate degree in anthropology. Fantastic. Well, good luck with that. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me. So let's start with you, Rabia. How do you feel cosmetic and clothing brands are doing at representing diversity? Um, so I, I feel like there's been a huge concerted effort recently for more... Uh, diversity in, in in adverts for beauty brands yeah um but personally speaking i feel like that's quite superficial is it so just the, is it just the advertising then rather yeah. than seeing it all the way through to the product as so well, no or? a lot of products now i was really surprised so uh -huh. i um used to live in a place that didn't have a very good high street for makeup so i, right. I just sort of bought all my stuff online but yeah. as you know it's really really difficult to buy foundation i don't know if you know but... oh one of the biggest <laughs> issues i've got i'll tell you I never find the right foundation <laughs> really difficult to find yeah. like the right shade especially if you bought it online mm -hmm. um so uh when i went back to the high street when i moved to london and and i went back to the high street london's got some fantastic high streets I was really surprised at how um, how many shades they had and all these different tones. Mm -hmm. um, they were able to sort of find my my skin tone quite quickly, whereas before I, I used to have to like send off uh, like two foundations to be mixed together right, for my okay. shade, which was expensive and, and yeah. long. And so it's, it's quite a recent me. thing. Then you think it's really been in the last how long a year a couple of years couple i of think years. yeah for sure um so it's improving yeah and then you've got the emergence of brands like fenty who've done a huge amount mm -hmm. for for women of color and also just you know unique skin tones that are quite hard to find anyway yeah. on the high street yeah. although i would argue that they are not on the high street they're only in i think is it harvey Nichols? yeah yeah something like right. that um so hidden away hidden away <laughs> i've not actually been there but i haven't i know that that if i were to buy foundation i would mm. be going to fenty you'd be going yeah. there yeah, yeah. what about you jasmine what's your experience been um so actually i found myself quite out of touch with sort of makeup brands in the uk um mm -hmm. so i'm half japanese and half english mm -hmm. or caucasian uh, and I found that when I was first getting into makeup when I was about 13, 14, mm -hmm. 
um, I really struggled mm. and I went into Boots with my mum and we kind of did like, they had a colour match testing mm-hmm. thing um, and I was the lightest shade, um, which for me was quite interesting mm. and also the shades didn't go very dark either and being someone with an East Asian skin tone, I am aware that I'm also very pale so it's probably a lot easier for me than other minorities to find like matching foundation mm. in the UK. Um, but what I ended up doing eventually was turning away from the UK markets and actually um, searching for makeup brands in East Asia. Right which are more targeted to people with my skin tone. Yeah. And buying those online, presumably. And buying those online, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, costs lots of money. There's yeah. a lot of research you have to go into as well. It's always a bit of a gamble when you are buying these things mm. because you don't know if they're actually going to match you when they arrive. Yeah. And also, and of course, once you've owned the packaging, you can't return them either, can you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and also being someone that is mixed race, like mm. all of the um, sort of swatches are done on East Asian skin and right. sort of not necessary like combination skin or anything like that so um it was very hard to tell um digitally whether something's going to be a match for you or not and um in recent years yeah i agree with you like we have definitely seen a increase in brands attempting to diversify and sort of cater (laughs) for um sort of a wider range of tones but again it's you don't Not, feel it's quite there. I, I feel like I've missed that sort uh-huh. of uh, interest in the market, I think, yes. I, because I've sort of had to do all of my own research growing right. up and using makeup mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've settled on my the few brands that I know work for me. For sure. The exactly mixing foundations, I did that exactly the same thing where I'd mix a Japanese foundation mm-hmm. and, a, and a British foundation mm-hmm. and hope that, you know, it would sort of you match my right skin tone, tone a better. better yeah. And what, do you, and what do you do now? Do you still buy from those international brands or international sites or are you now buying from the UK? Yeah, these days um, I've sort of settled on one foundation, which right. is um, a British foundation. Yeah. But I also tend it because skin tones also changed throughout the summer and winter yeah. as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, I tend to kind of switch between a few different like a few different types of um, makeup. Yeah. Jasmine, do you think it's fair to say that companies are moving to improve diversity and representation in consumer-facing branding? So you talked about them making a move with the actual product. Is the branding improving? Is the packaging improving? Is their marketing improving? Do you feel that that talks Mm. more to you now or do you still feel that you're kind of being left out of the loop there? Yeah, these days um, I still feel a little bit left out of the loop, but I am seeing a lot of brands making more of an effort to be mm-hmm. inclusive. The, the thing that this reminds me of particularly was um, I went to the Freshers Fair at University and they had, I can't remember what brand it was, but they were doing like colour sort of uh, matching mm-hmm. um, where they would sort of do a colour match test on you and then give you a sample of their foundation to try out. Mm. Um, And so I went to this thing and they said, um, this woman took my test and she said, oh, would you like a foundation that's slightly lighter or matching or darker? Of course I said matching Mm. (laughs) because I think it's slightly problematic to be making those decisions. (laughs) I got home, tried this foundation, it was completely orange. I just could not, it just did not match my skin at Mm. all. And I just thought, what is the, what, what, is going into this technology yeah. that is doing these like color um, swatches mm-hmm. when you know it doesn't really work. Yeah. Mm. So I think there is there has been a lot of effort, um, but um, there is 
quite a ways to go. And I think yeah. it is good to see that as these companies are becoming aware of the demand um, for a wider range of products and products that are more suitable for minorities, I think we are seeing an increase in attempts. But I think there is a ways to go a way yet. To go, yeah. What about you, Rabia? <laughs> With regards to branding and packaging uh, and marketing communications, are, are brands doing enough to talk to you at the moment? So on the British high street, yeah. I would say not so much because when I was younger, of course, when I was in my my teen years yeah. and when I went to university, I was really into makeup. I spent, you know, uh, quite a lot of time shopping around for makeup, um, watching YouTube tutorials, watching YouTube bloggers, yeah. which yeah. is now emerging to this whole new big scene. And when I realised I couldn't, one, afford mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep up this habit, um, to find the shades that I'm looking for. There's always something new out there and it, it was never really catered to me. Mm. I sort of started looking, you know, I stopped caring. Yeah. And I bought, you know, maybe one expensive foundation that I wore on occasion. I stopped caring about like yeah. wearing makeup as well. Only on yeah. occasion I'd wear it. Yeah. Um, and now when I've come back into the fold of, of, of you know, high street makeup, um, you know, if you've got an event coming up or if you want like an everyday one, um, everything seems to be tailored to like teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so where you have brands um, on the high street that have got a, a big selection, often they aren't really there to take care of your skin. They mm-hmm. aren't lightweight or if they are lightweight, they're too lightweight. If they're heavy, they're too heavy. Um, I just feel like I haven't been able to find um, makeup that is good for skincare, which now at the you know ripe old age of twenty seven, I care more about that now, and I haven't really found um, a lot of high street brands that cater to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I have really got into my skincare. But even when it comes to skincare, mm-hmm. I use a lot of East Asian, South Korean beauty mm-hmm. um, skincare that. I don't really feel British brands can match. And if they can match it, it's way more expensive. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's got a lot of additional ingredients that I'm not really into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Just on the, you touched on the, the whole kind of influencer thing there, mm-hmm. you know. Quite keen to know, actually, just, just sidetracking slightly for a second. Mm-hmm. What what are both your perspectives on, on influencers and bloggers and vloggers? I mean, they, they've there's a lot of, or not a lot, there's a, I suppose, a relatively small number of people who have made an absolute fortune, yes, you know, becoming yeah. influencers for brands. And I just wonder, you know, does it still really resonate with, with consumers, you think, or yeah. are consumers starting to see through that now and seeing it as more of a, a just a marketing campaign if you like it is i don't know i mean when you get into the youtube rabbit hole it does feel like you're watching qvc because it is just like all these products all these like exactly (laughs) however if you do find um a couple of i will always watch Mm -hmm. a review before i buy a product i will always watch a youtube video i will watch several to see what they think of it you know Mm -hmm. top 10 products you know what works for them what what doesn't work for them um especially you british ones and of obviously especially the ones abroad but mm-hmm. um i will always always check it out right. so i'm always every day i think i watch a beauty video i know yeah. that's it's just like a light-hearted thing to do something to pass the time <laughs> yeah. i suppose um but it's huge it is really really big and massively influential on obviously you. and yeah. you have the emergence of you know black and asian beauty vloggers yeah. who will cater who will find products that are made for your skin tone yeah, that yeah. are made for you know ethnic minorities yeah. and, and brands that cater to that mm. so I, I feel like there is a lot of cult beauty out there just not on the high street yeah, got you. yeah i think for me it definitely sort of 
um, watching beauty videos online and looking through tutorials, that sort of thing was my saving grace as a young teenager. Um, As a teenager, I think a lot of the time we rely on things like magazines or um, kind of television shows to sort of like Mm. give uh, tips and hints on beauty and makeup. But of course, for a lot of sort of magazine beauty tips, a Mm. lot of them weren't aimed at um, or applicable to ethnic minorities, right? So... Yeah, being able to go online and it was a bit strange at first because um, me kind of not really knowing what I fit in mm. as like white or Asian, kind of being a bit in between. I was um, searching around a lot for someone that looked like me mm, <laughs> that sure. I could maybe someone whose opinion yeah Yeah, exactly someone I could identify with someone whose opinion I felt like I could trust Um, because even with my own mother like she's got she looks different to me and we have different skin tones Mm -hmm. and so um, there wasn't really anyone around me to turn to for that kind Mm -hmm. of advice so Mm -hmm. having the internet there to like search these things up was really really helpful Well, it sounds like the beauty brands and the high street generally is missing out, doesn't it, really, from what you're telling me so far? Mm. Um, even although they may be making more of an effort now to be a bit more inclusive mm. and a bit more diverse, it feels as though they haven't got that quite right yet from what you're telling me. Yeah, definitely. Rabbi, as a, I mean, we've, probably covered, we've probably covered some of this, but as a darker skinned woman, how do, you, how do you find cosmetic products that match your skin tone? How do I find them? Yeah, how do you find them in the first place? Is it all through YouTube videos or how did you find those international brands that you you mentioned earlier that you buy from? Honestly, it's through if if I hear another person of colour um talking about it, yeah, yeah. um, I will take it seriously. Yeah. So Fenty Beauty, I honestly didn't care when that came out. I didn't know a lot about it. It was mm-hmm. all hype and I, I I I've only recently I ignore Instagram. It's not the biggest app that I use anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was a lot of my black and Asian friends who were like, oh, Fenty's really great. You know, you know, Rihanna runs it. I had no idea Rihanna ran it. So when I found that out, I thought, (laughs) you know, it's got to have some clout. And it really does. I think um, me, uh, we went to Paris last year and there was like a Sephora there, Mm -hmm. which is this. How would you describe Sephora? I have been, (laughs) trust me, as a man with two daughters, I have been, just like I used to go to every single Victoria's Secret oh God. that there's ever been known to mankind. Mm. Uh, I've been to every Victoria's Secret, I think, just about in the United States. Oh we've God. been there on holiday and I and I go into every Sephora, yes. w- wherever we end up going. Wow. So you know. So I have a pretty good handle. It's a pretty good experience, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it it's got everything a lot of things, you want. You can get you know. a lot. It's got skincare, makeup. It's got all the current stuff that you could want. Mm. It's not in the UK, though, is it? Sephora? Not, not in the UK, no, it's not. Which is annoying, but we were in France yeah. and I'd heard about this Sephora and we'd walked in and mm. there was Fenty Beauty and I tried some of the stuff and it was really, really good, really, really pigmented yeah. because actually a lot of British brands when it comes to eyeshadow and eyeliner mm. and lipstick are not that pigmented. Mm. So now you've got brands like Fenty, like Juvia's Place, who are super, super pigmented because they're catered for darker skinned women. Mm. Jasmine, in your experience, do you think staff at cosmetic counters are adequately trained in finding colour matches or makeup looks for different skin tones? So this is something that we have touched on slightly earlier Um, in terms of I think people have tried to create the technology to find colour matches easily and quickly. Um, It is a long process for a lot of people. It takes a lot of diff like trying out a lot of different um brands and shades in order to find your match 
I think it still needs work. Um, although I don't know if this is just the process of going like the process of finding your makeup is the same for everyone like it has been for me mm. like for me it has been a lot of like trying different things out looking a bit too orange for a few weeks while mm. I try out mm. you know whatever foundation mm-hmm. a lot of this is also asking people around you about mm. what works for them so again um, word of mouth is a big word driver, of mouth yeah. is a big thing yeah definitely I, I quite I feel quite uncomfortable going to staff at cosmetic counselors to be honest and is, um, that, is that because is that be, I mean is that because there's a you feel there's a disconnect between the person that's serving you and you, for example, if they're not from an, if, you know, if they're yes. not from an ethnic minority, you would feel less inclined to want to engage with that person, or it's not so much engaging with that person because they're not an ethnic ethnic minority, yeah. but I think there is this kind of, um, it feels very prescriptive, um, where I, I don't know, I, I just get this feeling that they're not quite used to dealing with people that look like me, yeah. and so therefore will try and force upon me. Um, so um, types yeah. of makeup or mm. whatever like that they would normally use for their white customers yeah. and I don't feel 100% right comfortable I feel yeah. like oh is this actually right for me are they actually sort of picking th- picking products that actually suit me or mm. is it just picking products that work for most people yeah. um, that they need to sell <laughs> so yeah. Rabia, what's your perspective on that? And in relation to counter counter staff at beauty counters, are they fit for purpose? Do they are they able to give you the type of service and experience um, that you're looking for when you're looking to buy makeup? Do you think? I think they're doing the best they can with the training they have. Yeah. I think it's 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 um multiple factors. For example, the training that they are getting, there's like a pretense behind the beauty that they're selling that's often catered to white women for example <laughs> i don't mean any shade on anyone i'm not doing shade, <laughs> but clarins if you look at the the women at least back then who used to serve you mm. um were all really orange and mm-hmm. so i yeah. was like i don't i don't that's not for me that's not the kind of like brand i'm gonna go for but then you know brands like Chanel and and Gucci and you know num- even number 7 I just felt like for my age range for my ethnicity is not for mm. me yeah. but if there's you know what is it Estee Lauder yeah yes, their, their yes. double wear foundation is meant to be really good yeah. and I remember when I went in um to to get one for my graduation because mm-hmm. you, you need like a good foundation for your graduation mm-hmm. um and I went there twice and it took them ages to find the right tone and luckily I had a friend with me who used to work at the benefit counter and she's Asian same similar skin tone mm-hmm. and I bought this foundation and outside she was like that is too dark you need to get a lighter shade so I had to go back get it changed if she wasn't there I don't think I would have I would have known or, yeah. or you know, I would have just stuck with it because I've just spent yeah. 40 odd quid now. Yeah. Um, so I do think you need to do a bit more research before you take um, beauty counters at their word. Mm. Um, yeah. And maybe, maybe take take a friend with you, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah definitely. To give, you, to, give yeah. You, to give you that second opinion while you're there. Jasmine, have you ever felt uncomfortable with comments regarding your ethnicity or have you ever been poorly served as a result of this? You know, is there an ignorance out there basically? This is a bit of a difficult question because in the UK, I walk through the world as an East Asian woman. Um, I'm not necessarily seen as mixed race. I think the first people thing people see is, oh, that's um, an East Asian woman. Yeah. Um, but I've also had the opposite effect when I go to Japan. For example, I lived in Japan last year right. and um, there's 
I mean, I don't know, this doesn't really apply to the British market, you know, but like in East Asia, in Japan, there is quite an obsession with um, looking half Japanese and looking more Caucasian. And so a lot of these, for example, we were talking about the online um, beauty videos, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, A lot of them are how to look half Japanese and not all of them are by... Japanese women, some of them are by Caucasian women as well. Um, and that makes me really uncomfortable yeah, <laughs> um, because I guess it's sort of fetishized in a yes, way. And I'm not really comfortable with it, to I be honest. And I don't know if um, I don't know if I've been poorly served as a result of that. I think when I was in Japan, there was a lot of, oh, your eyes are so big. Sounds um, like it might be the opposite. Yeah, you might be yeah. overserved. Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure how that affects me because I don't I don't know any other. Yeah, I mean, I don't know any other experience, to be honest. Um, It's not something that I necessarily talk about with people around me because everyone has different experiences. But um, that is something that I do Mm. that I find a bit worrying, I guess. A bit bit (laughs) Um, peculiar. Yeah, a bit strange. Rabia, what what about you in, in relation to the UK? Have you have you suffered from or felt uncomfortable with regards to comments that people have made in relation to your ethnicity? Um, or do you feel you've been poorly served? Have you had worse service or worst not even been served? I don't know. Tell tell us. I have had um, a few impatient servers, a lot of really lovely older white women who, you know, have spent a lot of time at the company, just haven't been used to dealing with a person with my complexion. Yeah. You know, I will take a bit more time. I'll ask to try different shades and then, you know, they'll get really, really impatient. Mm. And I can tell that there's a difference in customer service there. But you've raised a really, really interesting point about how in, in Japan, you know, everybody wants to look Caucasian. Um, very, very similar to South Asian culture. I mean, my grandma, for my birthday, got got me skin whitening cream and it was just like you're too dark she used to say that your skin tone Mm. is gundvi which means it's dirty so you need to like and it was just like a matter of fact it's like you've just got a really dark skin tone and you know how do you feel about that um first of all you're used to it growing up but at the same time it's taken me a while to to sort of figure out that i like my skin tone Mm. i like Mm. being dark i like you know, getting a tan now because before I would make sure mm. I would cover up and stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't want to get one, yeah. so it's taken a while to, to for the you know trends to shift towards trying. It's cool to be you know dark skinned. It's nice. Yeah. It's cool um, to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. but it's a. It, I just wanted to bring up something else where sure. um, Asian bridal makeup, South Asian bridal makeup, mm-hmm. is huge, and it's a huge, huge industry. Um, and I have had to do a bit of like skin modeling for that. I'm doing air quotes because I don't like. To use the word modelling, but I was. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really not. Um, And for my skin tone, instead of matching it, this is, you know, South Asian women um, using current like makeup. It was basically like somebody had, had put white paint on my face oh my and goodness. the shade between my neck and my face was so different. It was like black and white. Mm. And that was normal. She was like, yeah, 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 that's the darkest one we have. And you just have to wait for it to settle. And then the look afterwards is is so scary. It just looks so intense. Mm. I personally think it's really ugly and intense. Um, and I, it's weird how, you know, whiteness is so deeply ingrained within South Asian beauty. And, yeah. you know, your skin tone is not really respected. And yeah. it's really just go hard or go home. But, but then it's quite funny because here, um, the whitest 
skin tones are also quite hard to yeah, find exactly. makeup for as well. And it's almost like there is this thing for um, foundation in the UK that it has to be more orange and sort of so mm. being a slightly tanned is mm. kind of seen as more attractive. Yeah. And I, I know quite a few of my Caucasian friends like really struggle if they have quite light skin tones. But even Fenty Beauty uh, catered for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah They've yeah, done yeah, a really exactly. good job of catering yeah, for really, yeah, really yeah. sort of pale skin. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's interesting how there's kind of the opposite effect. Yeah. Um, great, yeah. great to get your perspectives on that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, just a question to both of you, actually. What would you like brands to do to improve service? We'll start with you, Rabia. Where, where, where do you think this problem stems from? Um, I think it's really the ethos of 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 the brand. They need to move away from tokenism, having the odd, you know, black or Asian model, mm-hmm. um, and really have the brand represent that person because when you see all these black and Asian models now for these UK brands or American brands I feel as though it's very tokenistic and it's really for their white consumers to accept more black and Asian Mm. models as opposed for us as opposed to us feeling represented by them Mm. so uh, there is still a long way to go and a brand which I think is a good high street brand. Their products are really good, but I think they've been really guilty in the past for, you know, not really representing people of colour is simple. And yeah, their ethos is quite, if you look into it, it's quite problematic. Their branding is saying that your simple, natural, beautiful look is what matters. Your mm. natural skin and what the most natural, beautiful skin is, is this dainty white woman mm. that you have to you know, try and look like. Yeah. And I know that they've had one or two light skinned, you know, uh, black <laughs> models here and there that have been, you yeah. know, whitewashed out. But for me, it's like I really like their products. If I'm yeah. on the cheap, mm. if I want it, if I want it on a budget, I will use simple. But I just find their brand has been you know has fallen foul to that right yeah it's not really represented mm. you so mm. what about you Jasmine um yeah I would absolutely agree with that I'm not sure I think just something that comes to mind is I mean when we're talking about makeup that matches uh different types of skin you know mm. um I know like an early sort of an early advertising lipsticks were there's so many like there's such diversity in lipstick shades and colors and tones Mm. um and part of that comes from this idea of you know it's something that's for you Mm. um this is a this is a color that represents you and i think if that could just expand (laughs) a Mm. bit more um to other cosmetic products that would be really lovely um you'd feel it was more personalized then yeah, but and th- th- this is the thing. Makeup yeah. is a very personal thing yeah, for a lot absolutely. of women. And skincare is a very personal sure. thing. And it, it's I know it is difficult for brands to kind of Cater. balance out. Yeah, yeah, balance out catering mm. for everybody mm. uh, as well as making some money and making mm. products that are easily recognisable and um, e- sort of uh, e- easy to purchase mm. for the consumer, right? But I think it just needs to be talked about a bit more, discussed a bit more. Mm. And not just seen as a problem that is can't be solved. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I and I think in this day and age, you know, I think if you think about the world that we live in, you know, my my personal opinion is that brands that you can really demonstrate that they have an empathy mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, with ethnic minorities, with diversity, with social responsibility, mm-hmm. moreover, social accountability. Yeah, and and I would I would include this within social accountability. You mm-hmm. know, social. I don't like the phrase corporate social responsibility yeah, because yeah. it becomes a tick box exercise, mm. not something that's really ingrained within the culture of the business. And mm. I don't think I don't think brands can be successful 
you know, in the future if they if they don't really find a way of talking to people on a different level in a much more meaningful, transparent way, you know, catering for the requirements of different types of customers, different mm. types of consumers of which we, you know, brands have many, mm. um, but also in a very purposeful and, and genuine way. Mm. Um, I think that's really crucial. Just in relation to when a case of racism or discrimination is highlighted within a store, what should, do you have any thoughts, Rabbi, on what, what a brand should be doing in your opinion when that occurs? I think there's been a few times where I've known of cases where it's not really gone any further. It's, it's one person's testimony against another yeah. and, and that's not acceptable. But, you know, if you take it to social media, that brand will be under serious scrutiny. And it's yeah. not just that incident that, you know, uh, all eyes will be on that incident, how they, you know, deal with that incident. Yeah. Um, they've got to think about their brand as a whole now. So Absolutely. it's completely under scrutiny. So how they deal with that situation is probably not only with the disciplinary action that that employee will face, mm -hmm. but how, you know, they will roll out diversity training, yeah. not just as a tip box exercise, but, yeah. you know, really ingrain it into their brand and ethos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, ideally, none of this stuff is happening in the first place yeah, in an ideal sure. world. Yes. <laughs> but where it does happen, I think it is really important for people to take notice and not um, just see it as a, PR disaster, you know, mm, and yeah. see it as something that should be dealt with and actually listen <laughs> to the concerns that are raised. On board, yeah. As a quick roundup, what for you is a brand that you think is doing the best and the worst in improving their representation and brand experience, Rabia? Any thoughts? Mm. Um, so I've already mentioned Fenty Beauty yes. a lot. So they're <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're top of the league at the moment. For you. Yep. <laughs> sure. But also um, for skincare, and they also delve into makeup, is Glossier, um, which is, I think they're an LA brand, mm. but uh, they've a lot of UK. I, I know everyone who's got like, a lot of my friends have like Glossier products and stuff right. that they've shipped over and they're really, really good. And if you look on their website and the models that they use, they're, they're not only diverse mm -hmm. but they're everyday looking people mm -hmm. so for me that's really 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 important i think yeah. they're making great strides now i know that there has been an issue with some of their foundations not really um stretching beyond my skin tone and i think that they're working on it but for me the branding is just right yeah. mm -hmm. um and the worst did you say yes Any, um, anywhere there it falls oh. that bucket. <laughs> now i haven't used any of their stuff but i think personally because they're not catered to my demographic or my age group. But number seven, haven't right. really done mm. a lot. I wouldn't ever go to number seven for a foundation. Mm. Weirdly, because I'm really into my skincare and a lot of South Korean skincare and Japanese skincare, which has been having a lot of launches in the UK. Yeah. For example, Hado Labo, and I know that they've launched in the UK. They strangely... Well, not strangely, they don't cater for my skin type at all. Right. So I know that when you were mentioning foundation, they only really have four shades. Mm. Yeah. And so if I, if because I love their product so much and I want to use yeah. their their beauty stuff, they hardly any brand K beauty Japanese beauty brand has my skin tone. Mm. So I think they're really missing a trick. There. And, that, and that number seven is uh, boots. Yeah, boots own. Business, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, given given boots's reach over the UK, I mean, mm. it touches all consumers of every mm. ethnicity because obviously, there, I mean, there is talk of some of the boot stores sadly maybe closing in the next year. But, you know, generally speaking, I mean, boots, you know, 
essentially caters mm. in many other respects for the whole population of the United Kingdom. So mm. that's a bit surprising, isn't it? That feels like a, a missed opportunity. For sure. What about you, Jasmine, from I your think, perspective? I think that going forward, a lot of brands that don't cater for more um, skin tones and brands that don't cater for a diverse world yeah. will find themselves falling behind. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, that's all we've got time for, although I could talk about this stuff all day long. Thank you for listening to Consumer Focus with me, Martin Newman, and my guests, Jasmine Cato and Rabia Mirza. I hope you'll join me next time to discuss the latest in consumer concerns. Consumer Focus.